Last week, um, I started off with just some of the things about his name is greater. We're studying the name that is above every name, okay? So when we say the name of God, it carries authority, it carries power, it carries respect. When the Bible said, hallowed be thy name, we're talking about it's, it's not to be misused. We don't use it in frustration. We don't use it in irritation. We don't use it as a cuss word. Hallowed be thy name. Respected is your name. It's a name above every name. If I was to come up and start talking about your mom, you'd probably want to pick a fight with me. You'd say, don't talk about my mom like that. Well, we should be standing up and saying, don't talk about my God like that. Don't curse my God. Don't throw it. And I know I can't control what the world does, but I can control what my family does, and I can control what I say. And so it's important for us to understand and respect the name. The name of God holds power. If you notice, when it talks about salvation, it says, at the name of God, or, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. They that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because you can call upon a God. If you're talking about Buddha, there is no salvation. But if I name my God as Jesus Christ, he's the one that died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. There's power in the name of Jesus. So we talked about those different things. And the last thing, we talked about his name should be known. In Exodus, when God was sending Moses to rescue the children of Israel, he said, they've not known me by the name Jehovah. He said, I want them to know me by that name. I want, them to be, I want it to be personal. I want them to know me, not from the God of just distance of Elohim. I want to be close to them like the God of Jehovah. And we haven't gone through all those names except for the name Elohim. So I'm going to ask you guys, where do we find the name Elohim in the Bible? Where's that name at in the Bible? Genesis. What does the name Elohim mean? And what would be the name that we would use in an everyday term? God. It's God. It's like, so I have to warm you guys up here. Okay. In the beginning, God created everything. God created the heavens and the earth. The word Elohim means supreme one. It means the mighty one. Elohim implies the beginning. Before there was anything, there was God. It was Elohim, which literally means that he is the author. He is the creator. He's the initiator. He is the uh, he is the supreme one over it. He is the, uh, uh, the start of everything. Uh, in the beginning, God created. That, that's just insinuating the fact that without God, there was nothing. Which means that when we talk about God as our ruler, it means that we submit to God because he is the one that created us from the beginning. He is Elohim. He's the creator God. But that gives us the prefix, too, of El. So we use that word El in other names of God. Can anybody shout out the one that we're doing tonight? You guys help me out. El Shaddai. So why we started with Elohim, because that word God at the beginning of it, the creator, the author, the inventor, the originator, the start of things, the mighty God, the one that spoke things into existence. Now we're joining names with it and joining into El Shaddai. Here's what we're going to do tonight. You're going to think that we're not doing the names of God because I'm going to kind of like go way off on a tangent, but I'm not. I just want to make sure that we understand in context where the names was. Why would God all of a sudden just drop a name out? And I want you to see that the story of it is what brings the life to it. That's what brings the meaning to it. If, if, if somebody was to come up and say, oh, dude, you're my hero, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's great. I appreciate you giving me that compliment. But let's say you were drowning and they jumped off the ship and they rescued you and pulled you on the boat. You turn around and said, dude, you're my hero. See, there's a difference in context of the fact that in that moment, you stepped in to be something that I needed. 
So I want you to understand as we get into the names, I want to I give you the background to it. And so we're going to be studying a man named Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham. But we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning of this and study uh, the, uh, this name El Shaddai. And so in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and if you notice, I did not put this in your notes because I'd love for you to t- take your Bible and mark these things as we go, and they won't be on the screen either. And I told the guys, I said, I, I'm really worried, and I'm trying to make it to where we don't, we, we still tangibly have to dig a little bit, you know. And I put verses in there so you don't have to chase the verses all over. But at the same time, I think it's easy to kind of like look up at the screen, but not have to, you know, dig for it in your Bible. So we're going to dig for this a little bit. But we're going to stay in Genesis, except for supporting verses, and we're going to work our way through this. So this is God's introduction of the story of Abraham. Abraham was to be the father of many nations. Uh, what, what can you guys tell me up front about Abraham before we even get into it? What comes to your mind? What's a big aspect of the name Abraham that comes to your mind? He was told to sacrifice his son. That's a big one. That's a huge one. But we normally think of Abraham and Isaac and that, that duo story with that. What's something else that you guys think about with Abraham? Oh, we're going to read that tonight. He said, I'm going I'm to make your seed, I'm going to make your family like the sands of the sea, like the stars in the heaven is, is for numbering them. He said, that's how great it's going to be. Anybody else can tell me? Oh, he blindly obeyed God from the very beginning. You talk about a man of faith. And we're going to read that from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, about how it's like, wherever you tell me to go, that's where I'm going to go. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And how powerful his faith is. What can you tell me about Abraham and Sarah having Isaac? What was the big significance of that? They were old. They were old. The Bible doesn't just say they were old, and we'll get into it in a minute. The Bible says that they were stricken with age. They were beyond the ability, okay? The Bible actually says this. It's not me just being funny with it. They were beyond the ability to have kids. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of the country from thy kindred and from thy father's house. And that's what we were just talking about. He said, I want you, I've got a plan for you. I need you to leave everything. I need you to leave your family, your home, your jobs, everything, your friends. Take this step of faith. Now I want you to get this. Verse 2, and I will. Who is saying that? God. I will. This is a promise. It is, it's, this is why it's important to go in in context and in order with this. I created you, I'm the author, I'm the originator, there's no one else like me, I'm, I'm greater, I'm powerful, I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. This was a promise. This was a powerful promise. So it's, it, who knows what it, guys, what does it take in order for your seed to be great or for you to have uh, uh, many, uh, to be the father of many nations. What does it take? Kids. <laughs> it takes children. What did he not have of any sort? So you got to understand at the very beginning, it's like, okay. Uh, and then he's stepping back. And at this time, he's already old. So right now, at this very point of the story, it would have been a big deal. It would have been a big uh, miracle of God already. And God says, I'm going to do this. Follow me, follow me. Let me show you what I can do. 
And he says in verse 3, which is application to us too, and he says, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curses thee, and these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And this is still true to new. Today, he said, I'm going to bless who? Tell me, guys. I'm going to bless who? Who was he saying that to? Abraham. But who was he saying that to as a whole? Israel. Israel. So, I mean, this, this is where the Israel story started with. And you're right, it was with Abraham. But what God was saying, your seed, I'm going to bless Israel. You guys want to know why it's a big deal that we stand with Israel? Right here. This is promise of God. And you say that was written a long time ago. Yeah, written by Elohim. He was our God. He's, he's the one that calls the shots. So Abraham departed, or Abram departed, and the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, I'm not here to judge age or say what's old or not old, but 75 and having kids is pretty old. Okay, would you guys, is that, is that safe for me to say in here? Is everybody okay with that? Okay, it's like, like, all right, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's old. So he was a young man of only 75 years old, and uh, I, I want you to see that God's timing is always right. God's timing, he was, do, he was doing something more than just doing a promise of this. God was proving who he was. You say, what does this have to do with the names of God? It has everything to do with them, because God has this timeline, and God's going to drop in that El Shaddai at the right spot, Okay. So Abraham and Lot ended up having this separate that was his nephew, and, and God was, they had these problems because they were so blessed, and they had so many animals, and they, they were all these fighting, and everything was going on. Lot chose not the greatest path, and he went towards Sodom, and Abraham was just trying to follow God in all of these things. Part of that is Lot gets in trouble with the, with the people of Sodom. They get captured God calls on Abraham. He goes and rescues them. The, the, the king of Sodom comes in and says, let me reward you for that. And he steps back and he says, I want nothing from you. My reward comes from God. My blessings come from God. So 15, we're kind of skipping through the story because we want to get to the name. And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto him, Abraham in a vision. So after the war and Abraham stepping in and rescuing him and things like that, saying, fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I don't, I don't know. I mean, wouldn't you be thinking, if you're my reward and this is what you're doing, and the one thing that you promised me was kids, that by now I should start seeing uh, a pregnancy? Shouldn't we be announcing something, okay? And, and, and I'm, I think he was like, I know you're my reward, but I'm questioning this. So let me prove it to you. Verse 2, Abraham said unto the Lord, God, he says, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless? I mean, he's struggling. Verse 3, he says, And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast uh, is no seed, and thou hast given me no seed. He said, God, I know you're my reward. But he said, things are just not making sense. It's not adding up. The, the mystery that he had is just like the, the, the fact that they're getting older now. Now, by the way, in this part of the story, he is now 85, Okay. If 75 was complicated to have a baby, 85 is a lot more complicated to have a baby. You, if anybody knows the story, you guys know where I'm going with this. It gets even more complicated. And be, uh, verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, which he was talking about, because in that story, he said, "Are you, I, God, this is what you're going to do. You're going to use one of my relatives, and you're going to bless my seed through him. And God says, No, that's not what I'm saying. Listen to what he says. But he shall come forth out of thine own bowels, shall thou thine heir. 
And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. So God like blows it up and he says, Let me tell you. He goes, It's not going to be a distant relative. It's not going to be a cousin. It's going to come from your bowels, from your body. He said, You're going to have this child. And he said, Let me prove how big it is. He says, Look up. Can you count all those stars? He said, let me tell you that your seed, your blessing, your children will be like that. Now, if if any of you guys, I'm asking for truth, okay? Nobody lie tonight. Has anybody ever doubted God? Okay. And I know that's one of those things like, I shouldn't be saying that. But, you know, it's just sometimes we we step back and question going, man, is is God really going to come through? And Abraham is struggling with this. He was a man of faith. But he's asking this question. He goes, I'm going childless. And I know the promises that you're saying with this. So why, can I just ask you guys, can you guys pause for a minute and and maybe think about this? Have you ever wondered why if God was going to bless him and God just said, I'm going to use you to be the father of many nations and I'm going to use you to build up Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel and all the blessings that come from that and the amazing stories that we have through the rest of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All of that comes from right where we're talking right now. Why did God wait? Why did God wait? To prove a point. What would be the point? What do you guys think? What would be the point? Have you ever wondered that? The miracle was... Nailed it. Yes, of course. Yes. (laughs) He's that dude. Um, Nothing's impossible for God because you got to think... The way that we often tell the story is the fact that God went to Abraham and said, you're going to have a baby. How can I? I'm old. I'm 99. But God said earlier in his life, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. It was the waiting thing. It was a matter of God proving something more than it was not just about having kids. It was about the Lord was going to do a miracle in Abraham. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's hard. It's hard to wait. Waiting is hard. It is hard. It's in our pride and our agenda and everything that we want to do. It's hard. But God was doing something more in this that he was molding him into the leader that he needed to be. God was doing a miracle. I, I had this conversation with somebody and I said, I, I, I want to be cautious of how we use the word miracle. What is, what is the word miracle mean? What is a miracle? Something out of the ordinary? That's a great definition. Divine intervention? I would say a miracle is something only God can do. And that's why I, I kind of like, you guys know that I'm praying for a miracle. Nobody, nobody's shocked to that. I'm, I'm literally praying for a miracle in my, my family's, uh, in Logan's life right now. I'm praying for a miracle. And then when people will say, man, I got a great deal on this car. It was such a miracle. I'm like, Stop. It was a great deal, <laughs> but, but a discount is not something that only God can do. And I, I, and I don't say that to discredit the blessing because I think there's a difference between a blessing of God and a miracle of God. But what God was trying to do in this story was simply prove that he was El Shaddai, that he was going to do the miracle. So Abraham responds to the Lord, and he believed the Lord in verse 6, and he countered it to him for righteousness. His faith was displayed, and this is what we were just talking about. Man, God, God wanted to make sure that it was total reliance on him, that God was going to use him to do something really great. And then, like the rest of us, we begin to mess up, okay? And we doubt, and here comes a story that, uh, 
made sense perfectly to them in chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. He's blaming God for it. I pray thee, go unto my handmaid, that it might be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. You talk about a messed up situation. Does, any, does anybody else see any problems with this? Okay, let's take an older couple and then let's take this young girl. Okay, I don't know what she looked like or whatever. It's like, you should go lay with her and bring a baby into this. First of all, they're skipping God's plan. It, it had nothing to do with prayer or seeking God. It was all in the flesh. And didn't God say, I told you it's going to come from you and Sarah? And, and then that's why we emphasized that in the verses before. I said that I'm going to do this. Now, this was part of their culture. This was something that they would do in their culture. Just because it's right in the culture doesn't mean it's right for us. That's, in, that's an important thing for us to understand. Just because it's right in the culture doesn't mean that it's right for us. Our feelings can blind us. And she felt very, uh, she felt like this was the right thing to do. And so this was not God's plan. It was not what God promised. In chapter 17, verse 1, we built all the way up to the story through these five chapters to get to this. And Abraham was 90 years old and nine, 99 years old. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Here he's introduced, if you haven't figured this out already, here he's introduced as El Shaddai. This is the first time in the Bible, ever mentioned the name El Shaddai in Scripture, and God introduced it to him in this, in this point. Now, I'll explain what the word El Shaddai means, or the name El Shaddai means. It, it, it means the Almighty God for obvious reasons, but the El means God, and Shaddai means Almighty. Okay, so the Almighty God. It's only used eight times in the Old Testament, and if you notice with this, it's not a name given to God. When, when Abraham was on the mountain and God provided the ram for him and he said, the Lord provided this, God is uh, Jehovah what? Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. But if you notice in that passage, that was Abraham declaring to God or just making and said, that's who he is. My God is Jehovah Jireh. My God is the one that supplied for me. But this is not that situation. This is the opposite. This is God explaining to Abraham, this is who I am. I am El Shaddai. The word El Shaddai has really cool meaning to it, okay? He was using it at a place to introduce something really big, at a place of extreme complexity. Uh, Okay, did you notice he says in the same verse that Abraham was 99 years old? Okay, their culture, our culture, any culture, 99 is old as for like bearing children, okay? And so he introduces and he says, in the same context of that, he says, I am the El Shaddai. Uh, El Shaddai means the El, El uh, Elohim uh, combined with um, meaning that God was the inventor. God was the one that formed man. God is the one that created man. God is the one, he, Elohim at the beginning was the one that formed man out of dirt and woman out of a bone, okay? God did all of those things. But El Shaddai is a compound name. Shaddai comes from the root word that means shad, literally meaning breast. This is taught in Scripture. Shad means breast or supply or nutrition. It's the same as a mom nurses her child. That child is totally dependent upon the mom for all its nutrition. And the the meaning of El Shaddai was telling him, saying that God is not only the power to give life, but God is the one that sustains everything. 
Elohim is at the beginning of that God put it into motion. God put man, God put life, God put promises in the motion. El Shaddai is God going along the way saying, I'm going to take care of everything along the way as well. Elohim, El Shaddai, he is almighty God. He's the supply of everything. But he ends that verse by saying, I am the almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. He was saying, walk before me. I'll lead you. And then he says, be thou perfect. He literally was saying from this, he said, I want you to trust me in this way. <clears throat> I want you to trust me that I can take care of this. I want you to trust me that I'm going to do what I said. 17 verse 2, notice the repeat of this. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply, thy, uh, multiply thee exceedingly. God reiterates it again. He said, I told you, I will do this. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked to him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt bear my father, be the father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but it shall be called Abraham. For you shall be the father of many nations that I have made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make thee nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. There's the, the, the song that uh, we sing, it's Standing on the Promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening to every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior is my all in all, standing on the promises of God. But think about what it is. I'm resting in my Savior is my all in all. I know it's a song, but it's also a promise. What God was trying to get him to say is, I want you to rest in me as El Shaddai, literally mean claiming the name that I will take care of you. I will make this happen. That's what El Shaddai is. And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarah, or Sarai, thou, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. By the way, how old is Sarah? Ninety. Okay, 99 and 90, okay? There's some questions that are about to pop up in this conversation. We'll get to that. I will bless her, and she, she'll be the mother of many nations, and kings and people shall be of her. So here in verse 17, jump down. And then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear I'm going to ask you guys a question. Does that not sound like Abraham was doubting God? But that's not what that verse means at all. And I used to, mean, I used to think that. Can, can I show you how God interpreted it in, in the New Testament and actually re, like, reiterated that verse? In Romans 4.18, talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that he had promised he was able to perform. Isn't that a powerful passage? Isn't that like make you step back and God says, no, let me tell you, when he was 100 years old, when he was about 100 years old, Abraham, and let me read it again, who hoped, believed, and hoped, who against hope, believed, and hoped. When it literally meant that 
there is no way, and it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't add up, who hopes still to move forward with that and believed in his heart that the God that promised would perform that. So it was almost like a falling out of Abraham of saying, you know, of laughter of joy. It wasn't laughter of doubt. And how do I know that? Because God even put it in there. He says, he was not doubting, who believed with all of his heart, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But who did laugh? Sarah. (laughs) You know, sometimes you can look in the mirror and you know yourself and thinking, you know, somebody came up to you and said, you're going to have a baby. And she says, I was just lucky to get out of bed this morning. Um, A little different story. So in 17 verse 9, and God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and and with his seed uh, after him. And as for Ishmael, the one with Hagar, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall be, uh, he, he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But thy covenant I will establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. So now there's a timeline of this. Okay, they, they actually know what's happening and things like that. But God already established this. So God sends messengers to Abraham, to Sarah, and, and, and explained that this was going to happen. And they were outside, and Abraham sends Sarah in and says to make the meal and those types of things that was about to go on. And Abraham hastened unto the tent. This is in chapter 18, verse 6, uh, unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of uh, fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the earth. So this was a lot of food. They're making this. In verse 7, Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf and tender and good and gave it unto the young man and hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed it and set it before them. And he stood by, by them under the tree that they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. Now this was all a setup. Okay, this is like what we said. God's teaching us and God's learning. But remember, it is hard even when God promises, I'm El Shaddai, because can I tell you guys that God is as much El Shaddai to us as he was to Abraham and Sarah? But do we doubt when we get in situations that we're thinking this isn't going to work? And I think that's the principle like, why we keep going with the story. Because it's like in my head, you can imagine Abraham going back to him and said, I spoke to God. He said, in one year, this is going to happen. God said, I, we are going to be blessed with this. We are going to have a kid. Everything that he said, I believe this in my heart. And Sarah doubted. Even though we can read and study the names of God does not mean that you're going to change your prayer life or change the way that you live. Just because we have a head knowledge of this. And that's, that's where faith comes in. Faith is acting out on these things and taking steps of faith in these areas of our lives. Sarah was listening on the other side. Okay, so she's sitting there and they knew that. And she's, you know, putting the stuff together, listening up against the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind them. Okay, and now Abraham and Sarah were old, well stricken in age, and ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am wax old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord also being, being old also? So this is... This is Sarah responding to this. And she does not laugh outwardly, but did you notice how she laughed? Inward. It's a matter of that's, you know, putting on the face and going out there. It's so good to hear that God sent you guys and it's such a blessing to have you. You guys know how we can put on a fake facade. 
You know, we can sing the songs, raise our hands, shake people's hands, say amen to the messages, and then when we go home, we doubt God. And, man, I, I know it's true with all of us. It's, it's, it's easier to say it. It's easier to go through the motions. It's harder to live. Sarah was a godly woman. She wasn't some wicked person, okay? I mean, God was using her in a special way. But at the same time, she laughed within herself. She was taken back. And, and rightly so. Guys, what was the description that we just read about her body? It was not possible. But that's where we have to go back. Who are we talking about? It's Elohim, El Shaddai. There's no, there's no limitations to God. And I think that's why, and I've said this before, and man, I've preached this to myself the whole time that I've been going through this with Logan. We can say that God does the impossible, but the only time you're ever going to experience God do the impossible is if he leads you to a place that is impossible. And we give up so easy. It's like, I know God does great things and I know God can do powerful things, but I'm just telling you right now, there's just no, this is different. There's just no way. If there was a way, you wouldn't need God to do the impossible. And how would we ever know that God was the God of the impossible if you could always handle it? You you know, it's like with my situation, it's like I've always prayed and asked that I want to see God work. I want to see God work. And I know I've told you guys this before, but we put so much confidence into December 6th. I don't know if you guys remember that date. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. December 6th is the day that they cut open Logan and then sewed him back up and said, there's nothing we can do. But our confidence was so much in that God was going to take care of Logan. How? Through the surgery. But you know what? God's not limited by a surgery. God's not limited by your resources. God's not limited by your 401k. God's not limited by those things. And the only way that God can show it to you is God slowly takes things away until you get to the point where there is no way but him. So God literally was getting to the point where her womb was shut up Abraham was old, and they're both walking around with canes and walkers. And God said, now I'm going to do what? A miracle. God was going to do a miracle. If you want to see a miracle, you better be careful what you ask for. Because it means that God's going to bring you to a place that he's, where he can do what only he can do. The Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surety uh, bear a child? which I am old. Can anybody, can you guys read verse 14 and just read the first part to yourself and just stop? Just read the first part and stop. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now you get the point of the whole message. Now you get the point of why he was El Shaddai. Now you get the point of why God waited now you get to the point why there were 99. I know that there's other things that we could point out, but God was literally getting to the point to say, Abraham, if I'm going to do, make thee a great nation, do all these wonderful things, to you have to start off with the idea of knowing that with God, there is nothing that is too hard for God. At this appointed time, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. What are we learning about El Shaddai? El Shaddai does the impossible. That's what he does. He is the almighty God, above all might, above all problems, above everything that we have in our life. We cry out to the almighty God. So I just want to kind of make some application of this and then we'll be done. Um, 
verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself. So I, I want you guys to just take this to note. God is not limited by your thinking. Because in our minds, we, we break everything down. We, we figure it out. You know, I, and, and I, hate, I, I'm, I'm, I apologize if I use my illustration with Logan or my story or whatever. It's been the last 365 days of my life. It's been a long time. But it's easy to try to have man come in. And that's what happened when the surgeon came in and sat down with us. And he literally says, there is nothing else. There's no more options. There's no more of this that what happens, it gets in our brain that that's just the final verdict. It, it's, our, it's our thinking. It's just there's, that's, that's human nature of this. Because therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. In her mind, she was doubting. This was not outward. This was inward. It was doubt. And God's not limited by if you can figure it out or not. And, and you know, with our resources, you'll, you'll get your bills and you'll get your calculator out and you'll get, you know, all your thing and sit there and just sit there and be frustrated and be like, I've looked at this from every angle. It's, there's just no way. There's no way we're going to send the kids to college. There's no way we're going to sell the house. There's no way we're going to be able to retire. There's no way that we're going to get that job or that car or whatever. There's just no way. There is no way. We limit God, not outwardly, because that same person that does all that and figures the math out is the same person that would sit there and raise their hands in church and say, man, God's an awesome God. God can do everything. Is God of the God of the impossible? And everybody in the church says, amen. Then you go home to your finances and then sit there and fret and fear again. He either is or he's not. That's the whole point of this story. God is not limited by your thinking. God is not limited by your circumstances. Let's just break this up because it is kind of funny how they, they kind of lay it out, okay? In verse 11, and Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age. Wouldn't the word old be enough? Come on. <laughs> it's like, and well-stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, I am wax old and shall have pleasure, my Lord also being old. She's like, I'm old, he's old, everything we have is old. I mean, just, just, just this is, does not, it just does not add up. They were old. Number one, they were old, meaning that the timing of God was wrong. And, and I mean, their, their thinking is, as we're going through this, it's like, God, this would have been great and it would have worked back then. 40, even at 75, it would have been, you know, like crazy. But it's just, you know, back then it would have been tough. Uh, they were well-stricken in age, um, and they felt that they were, their, their bodies were just too far gone. She is 90 years old. You know, she's thinking, I'm no spring chicken. He's no Italian stallion, okay? This is just not working out. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the man of woman. She says, I'm, my body is not even made anymore to be able to bear children anymore. Sarah was like, God, it's just too far gone. Romans 14, 9, 19, or Romans 4, 19, and Abraham considered not his own body now dead. Now listen to this. We're talking, we're flashback into the future when God's explaining this about the mindset of where they were at. Abraham considered not his own body now dead, that he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What does the word dead kind of bring to your mind? It means like no hope. It wasn't like it doesn't work right or it's, you know, it's, it's stuttering a little bit or whatever. I mean, literally, in his mind and in Sarah's mind, we're literally saying that it was old, but they still trusted God beyond that. See, our God is El Shaddai. Our God is the Almighty God. 
And he introduced that name, that title, in a situation of carrying them all the way through to that moment when Abraham was truly at his full breaking point of saying, now I'm almost 100 years old, I've tried everything, I've done everything, and God dropped the name and said, you know what, I am the Almighty God. I promised you that I would do this, but I'm the sustainer of everything that I promised. That's who he is. I'd like to stop, but I'd like to read verse 18 again of Romans 4.18. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Who against hope believed in hope. I, I would just say as for Christians, my God and your God is Elohim. My God and your God is El Shaddai. So when there is a situation that just seems hopeless, maybe you need to read Romans 4.18, who against hope believed in hope. Why? Because I'm putting my confidence in El Shaddai and being fully persuaded that he had promised that he would also, uh, also to perform. Um, I will, next week, just so you guys know, we're going to do a review And at the beginning of this, I'm going to ask you questions about Elohim, and I'm going to ask you questions about El Shaddai. And the reason why I want to do that is I want it to stick out in your mind. I would like it, as you guys are reading your Bibles, to circle different names of God. If you don't want to know what the name is, look it up. But study. When you pray, pray to God in in the names of God. Call out to Him in that. God, I, I need help with this. You are El Shaddai. You are the Almighty God. You can sustain. You promised it, Lord. You can sustain these things. You can carry them out. You can make it happen. You can be my supply. And it's powerful. These names are in the Bible on purpose, guys. They're on purpose. And we talk about how well do you know your God? Well, I mean, everything of knowing somebody's the basic thing that you know somebody is by what? Their name. Let's know the names of our God.